And for those who remain, I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 4. We'll be looking at verses 11 through 13. We've been studying this, the context of this greater passage for a few weeks now, but I thought it would be good for us to take a closer look at this uh, famous or infamous if, passage uh, that points us to God's word. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. This is God's word. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. This is God's word. Let's pray that you would teach us this morning. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would make your word clear to us. That we might be a people who delight in it. We ask that you would work this in the power of the Holy Spirit. We ask it in the name of Christ. Amen. I've been wondering why bother paying attention to anything anymore. I have a watch that clicks when I need to go to an appointment. It reminds me when I'm supposed to stop talking for Sunday school. Sometimes I pay attention to it. Sometimes I don't. Why bother? I have a car that tells me when the car in front of me has moved on from the stoplight so that I can look at Twitter all I want and not worry about things. Uh, Why? pay attention anymore. We have a whole bunch of things that just tell us what we need to do, when we need to do it, how we need to do it, and there are techniques to maximize all the things. You don't have to worry about it. AI can do it all for you now. And yet, throughout this passage, we're told again and again and again that we should pay close attention to the Word of God. But why? When I was a freshman in college a couple of years ago, I had uh, a a guy on my hall named Jeff, which I thought, oh, this is the beginning of a great relationship. And we start talking. He's like, yeah, I believe in Jesus and God and all, but I don't believe the Bible. And I was like, oh, Jeff, Jeff, we are not going to get along. (laughs) What Jesus do you believe in? I've been reading a book called The Great Dechurching. That is wrestling with a a statistical analysis of why it is that more people have left the church in the United States in the past several years than joined the church in the Great Awakening and the Second Great Awakening put together. Why is that? It's not that the Bible is not accessible. I've got it on my phone. You can get it for free on the internet. Publishers are trying to sell us new copies of the Bible all the time. It doesn't matter that the average household has two or three copies. You can buy the youth study Bible, the women's study Bible, the men's study Bible, the people who like chocolate syrup on their ice cream study Bible. There are all sorts of different versions. I mean, they're all the Bible, but they have notes for all sorts of things. It's not that the Bible's not accessible. We're just not paying attention. Why not? Or maybe to state it positively, Why 
Why should we pay close attention to the Word of God? What is it about Scripture that that means it ought to be to us a delight, that it ought to be to us a joy, that it ought to be studied and loved and lived? What is it about Scripture? Well, if you pay attention to the book of Hebrews, you'll find that the author likes to put lots of things in series of sevens. There were seven characteristics of Christ in the first few verses, seven quotations from Scripture in chapter 1. He does it all throughout the book. I don't know if he did it on purpose here or not, but we're going to talk about seven reasons that you should pay close attention to the Word of God. And the first is this. God's Word is clear. There's this admonition, let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. And what sort of disobedience is that? Throughout chapter 3 and 4, it's been making the same case over and over and over and over and over that the Israelites fell into disobedience and rebellion because they didn't listen to the Word of God. The clear commands of God, they were deaf to what God was saying to them. And it's not because God's word was unclear. We stand amazed when we go to the circus and we watch the contortionist fit herself somehow into a basket that size. We're like, how did she do that? It's amazing. We might talk about it for weeks. Videos can go viral, but we become our own contortionists and manage to make scripture fit into whatever mold we want it to fit in so that our lives are easier. But that's not what this passage is saying. It's calling us to strive to enter into the rest. The rest promised to us in God's word. Strive to take hold the promises of God. That we might not fall into the same sort of disobedience. That we might not turn a deaf ear to the word of God. God's promises are glorious and wonderful and precious and clear. Now, that doesn't mean everything in Scripture is clear. There are a whole bunch of hard passages in Scripture. Even the Apostle Peter remarks on how hard it is to understand some of Paul's letters. But the things pertaining to salvation, the things that we need to know about our God, that we need to know about ourselves, that we need to know about how it is we can be saved from this sinful world, things are clear to us in Scripture. And if they're not clear to you, I challenge you with this. Take the next two or three years. Take the long view. Take the next two or three years and read through the whole Bible three times. Three chapters a day, five on Sunday. You'll get through it in a year. And if you miss a day, just pick up where you left off. Maybe it takes you a year and a half. Maybe it takes you a little longer. But read through it. You'll read through it one time and you're like, I did it. Bucket list. No, go back. Do it again. Do it again. Go back and do it again. And you go, wait a minute. That passage sounds like that. Oh, this. I have been walking, listening to the Bible that I have been paid to study. And I've heard things. I'm like, that's not in the Bible. I'm listening to the Bible and hearing things I, I would swear I've never heard before. And all of a sudden, 
the glory and the beauty of God's word becomes clearer. It's not that it's easy. That's why it says strive. You can't learn it by osmosis. It doesn't just happen. But the clear word of God is something that we can take hold of and hold to. And know we have salvation. God's word is clear. The second reason we ought to pay close attention to God's word is because it's personal. We read here that the word of God is living. Sometimes when we read scripture, it feels like it's talking to somebody else or even about somebody else from such a long time ago and places so far away. How can it have anything to do with us? The author of Hebrews reminds us that the word of God is not distant to us. It is personal. The Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. As the Spirit led David to write, like the book of Hebrews, perhaps more than any other book in the New Testament, keeps going back to how the Holy Spirit is speaking through the word of God. It's not just a book. It's not just a dead letter on a page. God has given us himself. And his spirit takes his word and applies it not to those people out there, but to you. In the early days of smartphones, uh, there was a man who had his little Apple iPhone and he put it on silent mode because he was going to a very famous concert with a very famous orchestra, by a very famous conductor. And in the middle of that concert, somebody's alarm started going off on their phone. You know, doo, doo, you know you've heard the alarm before. And he's looking around, everybody's looking around, like, who, who does not have their phone on silent mode? And the conductor finally had to turn around, stop the concert, and point to that guy and say, it's you! You're the one! It just because if you put your phone on silent, the alarm still goes off. All right, he didn't know! But that conductor stopped everything for that person. The Holy Spirit, how much more does the Holy Spirit take the, the word of God and make it alive to you, for you, about what you should believe, about how you should live, about what you need to know about God and Christ, about yourself and the church? We need to avoid looking at the scripture as any other book and read it like like we read letters from those loved ones who are deployed or far off and they send us letters that express their love and their heart. We ought to take up the word of God as God himself speaking to us, writing to us, sharing his great love for his people, that he would reveal himself to us and not just in a dead letter, that he himself would take his word and make it alive to us, in us, for us, in the power of his spirit. God's word is personal. It's also working. This is the third thing I want you to see. We see it in this word, for the word of God is living and active. And you might be forgiven for looking out in the world and getting a little discouraged that it seems like 
doesn't matter how many different Bibles we publish or sell or put online or make available to people, it doesn't feel like it's making a whole lot of difference. But it's working. Just because we don't see it. Just because we don't know. Just because we're not aware. Doesn't mean it's not working. The scriptures themselves remind us that God's word goes out. It doesn't return void. It accomplishes all of God's purposes for it. This was the mistake of the Israelites. For God promised them the promised land. And they went and... And they saw how glorious it was, and it lived up to all of their expectations. It was a land of milk and honey, but they didn't believe that God could actually give it to them. They would rather have gone back to Egypt and slavery. What would it have looked like for them to step out in faith and know that God's Word, it's active, it works. We, we rely on so many things. We, there is, we seek people for advice. How can I this problem. There are there's a whole self-help book and video industry. We, we look for medications. We look for things to numb ourselves. We look for activities. We, 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 we look in all of these places to see real and productive change in our lives and in our world. What would it look like if we would not be like the Israelites? And continue to live in unbelief, but that we would take hold of the word and believe it is working. God is doing something. We read in the book of Acts that the word of God spread. So the church grew. It wasn't because they had the right techniques. It wasn't because they had the most charismatic leaders. It wasn't because they had adopted, you know, 21st century fashion sense, as I clearly have. It's because the word of God was working. And it was changing hearts and lives. What would it look like for us to step in to that promise? The first thing I want us to see is that the word of God is powerful. I mean, we kind of play around with the word of God like it's a hobby. Maybe, maybe you have the Bible trivia game and you want to look up some answers, or we do the sword drills, or maybe you had to memorize something, or maybe you cross-stitched a verse, but we kind of toy around with the Word of God like a kid playing with his dad's pocket knife, not realizing the damage we can do. But God's Word is powerful. We read here that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. This image comes up again in the book of Revelation where the Lord Jesus Christ appears again and He draws out of His mouth a two-edged sword. It's His Word. To encounter the Word of God is to encounter God Himself. And when we behold Christ, and He brings His Word to bear for those who have kept the faith, who with other believers continue to strive to enter that rest, when Christ appears, it will be our joy and our delight. Even as the Apostle Paul in the passage we read earlier said, I'm finishing the race, but I've kept the faith. And when Jesus appears, it will be wondrous and glorious. Because we know his word is a word of salvation and grace and hope and joy and peace. But for those who don't hear it, 
it becomes a word of judgment, of horror, of destruction. Because every word in the scriptures will stand. And so there will be many on that day who will see firsthand the judgment power of the word of God because they did not pay close attention. But it ought to be to us a word of good news. This is the word that we received, not the word of judgment, the word of salvation, that in Christ, the word, in Christ, the one who wields his word as that sharp sword, in Christ, there is a promise from God that is unshakable that we can know him and be at peace with him, that all our sins, all of our shame can be forgiven in him. And his word comes as a salve, as a comfort, as a reminder that our God loves his people. How will you receive that word? Will you receive it as the good news that it is? Or will you play around with it? until you hear it as a word of judgment. The word of God is powerful. The fifth thing I want us to see is that God's word is illuminating. We read that it is piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow. And a whole lot of ink has been spilled about what that means. The gist of it is this. Don't worry about the difference between soul and spirit and How is it you split joints and marrow? The point is this. The word of God goes deep. It pierces. And there's no barrier. There's no division. There's no subtlety. There's nothing that can trick it. Hold it at bay. It goes deep. We have not yet explored some of the deepest parts of the ocean because we can't build a contraption that can safely go that deep and return back to us with any sort of reliable information or definitely not take us to those places. We might be able to send a bot. The Word of God, there's nowhere it can't go. But we, we like to hide our true selves We don't like to go deep. We don't want to be seen and known. Because all too often, when the word of God goes into those dark trenches of our hearts, it shines an illuminating light. And we have to confront who we really are. But for those who have received the word as that good news... We ought not to be afraid of that illumination because we know that the God who would expose the darkest parts of ourselves can also heal those things and restore us to who we are made to be in Christ. The Word of God, it is illuminating. It shines a a bright light. Let us not Run from that. What would it look like for us to embrace the illumination of the Word of God? 
might look like like us doing a little bit less. Y'all need to hear this. And a little bit more, Lord, what do I need to hear in this? Show me if there's any wayward spirit in me. Cut through all of the facade. Cut, pierce through all of the lies that I've told myself. Who am I really, Lord? And who are you then to me? God's word, it's illuminating. The sixth thing I want us to see, see, we're moving through these pretty fast, right? Is that God's word is formational. It's not just that it's a sharp two-edged sword that pierces, also discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And we can get moralistic with the scriptures. We can start to treat it like a list of commands that we do outwardly. And that's that. Our whole Sunday school class, we've been talking about the the gospel cure to hypocrisy and looking at how easy it is for us to become more like the Pharisees who had all the outward signs and shows of godliness, but in their hearts were dead. They were whitewashed tombs. But the word of God comes and it is discerning. It it knows the deepest thoughts and intentions of your heart. And it, it doesn't remain content to just know about those things. It doesn't just illuminate those things. The reason the word of God can discern the thoughts and intentions of the heart is because it can also impress upon you the thoughts and intentions of the very heart of God and teach you and lead you so that the thoughts and intentions of your heart are less and less characterized by your sinful nature, by the patterns of the world, by the thinking of this wicked age and are more and more shaped by Christ. As you strive to take hold and hold on to his word, as you learn more about who he is and what he has done, that does not leave you unaffected. God's word forms and shapes you. Cutting away those things that hinder you from a life in Christ. And growing and shaping in you those things that make you look more and more like him. What would it look like for us to embrace the word of God and its formative power? What would it look like for us to think of the scriptures less as things to do, practical advice for living, Guides for magistrates to implement in their governing work. And it is all of those things. What would it look like for us to see the word of God less as a collection of things to do? And instead, delight in it as the very word of God to us. 
It's not just a duty. It's something to delight in. It is a gift. We become like those things that we love. That's why people start to look like their pets. If you love money, you become more and more greedy. If you love recognition, you start pursuing likes more and more. If you love whatever, it shapes you. It makes you become more and more like that thing. The word of God, for us to embrace it as a formational power, is for us to learn to love it as God's word, to delight in it, not just to see it as a duty. The last thing I would want us to see is that God's word is unbreakable. We get impatient, and there is a lot to be impatient about. We look out at the world, and it it doesn't seem to be going the way it ought to go. We look in our own lives, and they don't always seem to be going the way we think they ought to go. We, We look at the church, and it doesn't always seem to be going the way we'd like it to go. And there is injustice. There is oppression. There is wickedness. There is all sorts of reasons for us to doubt that anything God says is true. But we read here that no creature is hidden from his sight. But all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. There is coming a day where God will fulfill all of his promises. Where he will bring every careless thought and word into judgment. He will expose every secret oppression, every wicked thing. And he will call all of it and all of the perpetrators of those things to account. On that day, when you stand before the God of all the universe, the God of all justice, the God of all righteousness, the God of all holiness, what will his word be for you in that day? Will it be that unbreakable promise of good news, of salvation and rest for God's people. Purchased in Christ, sustained in Christ, fulfilled in Christ. Will you stand before God and give an account of faith and thankfulness that your God was able to save? Or, Will God's word be for you in that day a standard that you tried to talk God into believing you've kept? God's word, it's unbreakable either way, but he has given it to us now, today, this day, as a great and glorious promise of hope that cannot be shaken, that cannot be broken. So that when we stand before him, naked and exposed, we need not cower in fear. Because we know he's true to his word. 
to seek and save even the weakest and most lost among us. Only the word of Christ can deal with our guilt. Only the word of Christ can give us rest on that last day. So today, today, if you hear his voice, how will you respond to his word? Will it be to you a delight, a joy, a promise you strive to hold on to? Will it be for you evidence of the very love of Christ for you? Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Take hold of the rest he promises you. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would take your word and hide it deep in our hearts. Or that you would illuminate all those dark places. That you would show us where we need Christ afresh and anew. And that you would draw us to him. That you would make that word so personal. We could not help but hear our Lord Jesus himself drawing us closer and closer to himself. Lord, work with power. Protect us from contorting the scriptures to to meet our own desires. Protect us from seeking those who will tell us whatever our itching ears want to hear. Lord, give us a word that is unbreakable, that we can hold on to, that we can stand firm on, even on that last day. Because our God Our God is able. We pray that you would do these things for the glory of Christ and in his name. Amen. Let's stand and